Bet365 sponsors our podcast and they feature over 300,000 sporting events on their betting app. It's got everything you need to bet on sport. Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favorite online betting company. With Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalized bet. And if you can't watch the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sports betting company. The app can be downloaded from the Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Pod on the Time, my name's Taylor Payne and this is your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. We are all in a good mood as football is back and Newcastle have gotten off to a flyer with two wins out of two, although one of them was slightly dull and a bit drab. But anyway, it doesn't matter, I'm here and I'm joined by Mr Chris Woff, how are you Chris? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm quite as jovial as you sound, but uh, yes, I mean, but I was at St James's Park for last night's game, so that's probably had that's a little bit of an after effect of it. That has sort of bashed away the excitement and the enthusiasm I had after Saturday night a little bit. But they did win. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm still watching this on the stream, so can you not tell me what <laughs> happened, please? Um, so yeah. I don't, we've still have got Newcastle, another half an got the go. ball yet? Because they didn't have much. No, of it not yet. Did. No, no. Sixty minutes Sorry, in, man. still not got Look, the ball. Let's so just, just let's just be quiet until George finishes yeah. watching the game from. If last you don't night. mind, yeah. If you don't mind, it, it was it's actually all right watching on the stream. It kind of worked quite. Oh, it was ten quid, which is bloody hell. But mm. um, it actually worked quite well. But I was watching sort of Chris's uh, updates on Twitter, and it was like oh, that's that seems to have happened quite a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. And the stream the stream that I was watching appeared to have been filmed on a potato. As well, which is you know oh. always good. It was very pixely, let's say, for a long time, and then it sort of caught up with itself. But I might as well have just plucked out my eyes and sent them directly to the EFL in a package <laughs> and just said there, have them instead, instead of me ten pound. But yeah, so quite a contrast between the two performances, though, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, that that would have meant you wouldn't have had to watch it as well, which would have been quite, which would have been quite good. It was very last seasony, yeah. wasn't it? It was last Ooh. seasony, is how I would describe mm. that. Watching, um, well, maybe we shouldn't do the negative bit first. But anyway, I mean, I think I think it was, yeah, it, watching kind of Gillington run around in the wrong direction, and um, you know Newcastle struggled to keep the ball, to get the ball, that gave it away, so slow yeah. sitting back. Black, I mean, Blackburn, Blackburn play good football. All you know, Tony Mowbray loves to get the ball on the deck and pass it around, but blimey, it was sort of a bit galling watching them have all that possession. Yeah. Um, and I think it did strike home and meet to me a little bit that, okay, fine, we all got quite excited or enthused or you know happy after after the game against West Ham, but there is still work to be done. And you know I think my mm. concern really, having watched that last night, is that you know if you if you take Wilson out of that team from the weekend and you know and Andy Carroll, bless him, um, you know we could be could be struggling a bit. So. Um, yeah, we've seen two, two very two very contrasting performances. Mm. However, the bigger point is that they're through. They won two, and um, you know, we Newcastle haven't won enough games in the League Cup to actually sort of take that for granted, really, have they? So the third uh, round for the first time yeah. in five years, I believe, is that right? Get in Lo- lofty heights. 
It's another limp. Come on. It's another cup limp. It's another Get cup that limp. Tinfoil cup prepared. We are on our way to Wembley. Astonishing yeah. stuff. But the new boys seem to settle in pretty well, and we've got debut goals from Colin Wilson, Jeff Hendrick, and also in the uh, the Blackburn game, Ryan Fraser netting as well. Netting, I love that. Um, but yeah, so not a bad, not a bad start for those new boys, eh? I'm I'm pretty disappointed. Uh, Mark Gillespie didn't get on the score sheet, but we'll address that later. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was that was the disappointment. I mean, he was decent as well as a debutant. <laughs> he was very good, wasn't he? Uh, he was. Yeah. He was. He, he did well. Uh, and I mean, it was an emotional day for him. Uh, I don't know if you've seen his social Absolutely, media yeah. post today, but it was uh, 13 years and to the day since his uh, his and Paul Dummett's former academy teammate died as well. So it was a very, not oh, only wow. was it his, his, his debut for his hometown club, it was also sort of something which he, he found very poignant, um, understandably so. But in terms of the other debutants, I mean, yes, it was great Ryan Fraser scored and you saw a little bit about him, but he maybe wasn't evident on the TV, but he was blown out of his backside after about half an hour, <laughs> yeah. which is probably not surprising given he hasn't played since March. But um, mm. but obviously he took the goal very well, and then on Saturday, I mean Jamal Lewis, I was extremely impressed with because I haven't seen mm. that much of him. I have to be honest, but the just the way he overlapped and, and in his crossing into the box, and really it yes. just that, that's what Newcastle's been missing down the left hand side. And so it Absolutely. was great. It was great to see. And then Jeff Hendrick, first half thought was a little bit quiet, but second half, absolutely excellent. Really, really thought he'd made some very intelligent passes, some very intelligent runs, linked up well, Mike and Keogh, and, and his, it, the, the goal, I mean, there was no backlift whatsoever no. and the power he generated on that. And then obviously the centre forward, who I watched the full 90 minutes of, you can read it on The Athletic at the moment. I, I basically watched, well, he didn't. He played 82 minutes or whatever it was. Yeah. So I watched all of uh, Callum Wilson's, uh, movements, his contributions, his goal, his shots, what he did on and off the ball, um, and then oh, basically I watched it on Y Scout afterwards just to just sort of track and and just it was just refreshing to have a, to have a proper centre forward. <laughs> Check you out, oh, Steve Bruce gave his login, has he? I don't know if Steve Bruce would know how to get on a Y Scout. I think he does. I think other people. Why I Scout? Why I Scout? I've got I've got a couple of Y Scouts. I've got the Northern oh. list, lads up here. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. You were you were saying before. That, that's you a, what, no, I basically just just. I mean, the the main contrast you could have from from Tuesday to Saturday would be the performance of of the, of the two centre forwards, really, and that's yeah. harsh to a large extent. But you do see what Callum Wilson was brought in for and what he actually brings to that team. You have a focal point up front. Yes, he had Andy Carroll alongside him, and and Joe Linton had Miguel Moron, yeah. who's not really a centre forward either. But just in terms of having someone who stretches defences, makes those runs and gets into the box, it was just so refreshing to see a proper centre forward. It felt like it felt like Jalinton had gone out for a lovely evening stroll around Castle Leasers, noticed the far gate was open in St James's Park, wandered in, somehow dressed in full kit. I haven't really thought this bit through. And then onto the pitch and suddenly there was a fucking football game going on around him. And he had it's to try so, and get involved. Yeah. And it spoiled it's his walk. So, it's, it just it's so, felt so it, ponderous and oh, I don't know. It's so difficult. I mean, I do, I do feel sorry for him. Um, I mean, I have done all along, but you know, when you watch Wilson at the weekend, just knowing where to be, knowing where to <sighs> run, yeah. trying to get there, holding the ball up, bringing his teammates in, doing the simple things, but doing you know, striker in, things in the box, getting in the box, and Jalinton yeah. just doesn't do it. And he can't do it, and that's, you know, I'm, I, I kind of have these arguments on on Twitter on a regular basis about what he did 
at Hoffenheim and how he played under Nagelsmann and Nagelsmann's a great coach and you know and so there must be something there and but he was signed as a centre forward he was given the number nine shirt and that I'm afraid you know that is a failure of recruitment it was a failure of the club and he was being asked to do stuff that he can't do but the club have had no I mean equally Steve Bruce has had no choice but to do that because there's been no alternatives there were no alternatives last season there was Andy Mm -hmm. Carroll who wasn't fit there was Muto who clearly isn't up to it there was Gale who was injured for much of it when Gale came back in towards the end of the season we saw the difference it made just because that's his job and he can do it and it was such a relief to see Wilson play like that. And, you know, again, there was so much more balance in that team uh, and the way it was set up because there was a f- focal point to it. And it just helps everybody. He is helped by the players around him, but he helps he helps them. And, you know, I am excited about seeing uh, Fraser in, in, in there when he's when he's ready and match fit and I'm excited about seeing Almiron pushing to get back in you know we saw how he that beautiful pass uh for Fraser last night yeah and they'll all get better I mean it just it does feel like you know it does feel like Jalinton is still very much the odd one out but and again you know I don't know I don't know what his alternative position is apart from if people are just because he's not a winger either is he let's be honest and he's not a f- winger and if if it's if you're looking at a number 10 then I, I think others would be a, would be a, ahead of him yeah um and I'm sure his confidence is rock bottom bottom and so you know that's not fun but you know you would look at last night to be a to be a really good opportunity for him to sort of try and do something and it just doesn't just doesn't look it but I'm I agree with Chris I'm I'm excited about the other players Hendrick we've talked about um, and we got Andy Jones from from our Burnley writer to to come on and talk about him, and he was so impressive, um, really dynamic, uh, offering something great, flick on uh, for the goal as well, and that was the kind of Jeff Hendrick I saw play for Ireland, very encouraging. It's only one game, and West Ham, let's face it, were utter dog shit. Yeah. I mean, they were what? dog shit, weren't they? One of the things I liked about Hendrick's performance, and this actually got mentioned in the commentary of the game as well, was the position that he was taking up. It was really interesting. It wasn't a, he wasn't playing as a winger, even though he was playing on the right-hand side of midfield. He was kind of playing a little bit more in field, almost as if he was playing on the right-hand side of a diamond. And he was sort of sitting in between the lines and in between the players. So he was really hard to pick up. And he was making himself available for passes where normally there wouldn't be a person there. They would they'd be picked up by the fullback or they'd be picked up by one of the one of the midfielders or somebody else. And I just thought he he seemed to find space easily. And when he got the ball, he knew what to do with it. And he kept the ball and he used it correctly and he used it properly and he, he helped us get up the pitch, which I thought was great. He won a few free kicks. His little flick on for the goal was was fantastic. To have the yeah. the foresight to get himself into that position when that ball came in. Was, was brilliant and and Wilson's positioning for that as well is great that's exactly where you want your center forward to be isn't it it was a it was a, a goal which uh, we might not have scored if Jillinton had been on the pitch instead of instead of Callum Wilson what do you think Chris no I'd agree with that and I think that, that what was crucial about that was also that he had a fullback in Javier Mancuso who was was overlapping and it gave yes. Mancuso the room to overlap because there was obviously the movement for the goal but also the in the chance that almost came Wilson's way, where Hendrick played a really lovely ball over the top to Mankio, and then he sort of mm-hmm. he sort of played the ball along the floor to try and get to Wilson. The keeper 
got there just in front. It was just got both sides, Newcastle, were, were attacking down. And I mean, I loved seeing Sam Maximan and Jamal Lewis together. I'd hesitate to, to, to say that we'll see that against some of the very best teams because I don't think there's a lot yeah. of uh, defensive cover there. It, but um, <laughs> in terms of games like that, when against teams you'd expect to be able to go toe-to-toe with, then I think it's exciting to, to, to see a team like that. And what, what was... I thought it was Andy Carroll's best performance since coming back oh, to the club. Yes. Yeah. Um, the bench and basher. Oh, <laughs> the bench and basher. 20, 20 seconds in. 20, 20 seconds, in. seconds in. Let him know you're there. Oh, my goodness. Let <laughs> him know didn't you're he there. just... Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. He did. Some yeah. effort. What a, what, a, yeah. what a performance, though, from the lad. I mean, come on. We know he's not the most mobile, and he's had his, he's had his issues with injuries. But my word, some of the touches and the, the effort when he flicked it over the, the defender and then volleyed it, the keeper saved it. I was like, am I watching Rivaldo here or something? What the hell's going on? <laughs> well, I think, was, I think, it was unbelievable. I think a few of us were surprised. I think we were surprised. I was surprised to see him in the team. I think Chris was yeah. as well. Um, yeah. But, fair, I mean, fair play. Um, fair play to Steve Bruce. He said he's been really good in pre-season. If he hadn't played, he would have had a right to be unhappy. So he's played the inform, inform people. And it definitely worked. And, you know, West Ham will know all about him. But... Yeah, he uh, he he really he really made the most of 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 what he still has, and it did Puts work. Himself it's not, yeah, it's not going to work <laughs> every week, but if you no. can if you can sort of manage him and keep him fit, and whether it's to come on as a sub or to start the odd game like that, it was it's just something so different, um, and that was yeah, that was very encouraging. I thought the interesting thing Chris mentioned. Lewis and St Maximum, I agree. I mean, the very noticeable thing was just how much ASM was targeted. And, oh, yeah. you know, foul after foul after foul. That's going to happen this season. It folds yeah, on. That is going to happen more and more this season because it, it is his second season. I'm not saying yeah. he's been worked out, but people will have worked out that he is a threat and that stopping him will be a key. The encouraging thing was that West Ham did that and Newcastle still found a way and still had other outlets. So... Yeah. You know, so that that is that was definitely one of the pleasing things about that. And you know, if 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 Fraser then comes into the team at some point, or Almiron comes into the team at some point, the opposition will have then have other things to worry about. And so that will give him that will give Saint Maxima sort of license again. But I think that was you know I think it was a shape of things to come a bit there. Can I just have a little whinge? Just yeah. about just about referring to him as ESM. Sorry, I just it just I just. I really don't like acronyms for names of people because it just makes it. I almost feel like I can't pronounce it. Sorry, C W. We do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it just really. I know, sorry. I, GC, sorry, what do you think? I, just, I don't know. I just think. I think Chris is getting really uppity. Isn't he? <laughs> Ideas above his station. I don't know. He's just. He's just. He's just like. I mean, it's fair enough. He's putting his new season. He's putting the market down. He's like, you know, it's. He's. I mean, he's sort of. It's. It's like. It's like if you get a new cat or something and it comes in and pisses all over the place. I mean, Chris has effectively just pissed all over us there. He's, he, it's about territory. It's about, it's about ter- he's marking his territory. Fair Chris, play. No, okay, fair, fair play. Let's not forget what the hierarchy on this podcast is, Chris, right? It's me at the top, obviously. That goes without saying, all right? Then it's George. Then it's George's cats, right? Then it's my signed picture of James Perch training in the snow, right? Then it's you, Okay. I feel That's... like I've been promoted with that with that uh, rundown well, thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Bless oh, can you, I just man. can I just give my highlight from last night though? As as bad as last night was, being we were back in the press box last night, and that meant that we were just behind the dugout. And listening to Steve Bruce and Ooh. Tony Mowbray was 
fantastic. It was absolutely. I mean, just just some of the things I said. At one point, uh, I think it was a handball just in front of the, of the of the fourth official, and I didn't hear what the fourth official said. But then Tony Mowbray just turns around and he just goes, "New effing rule, my arse," and walks back to <laughs> walks back to the uh, to, to, to the stand. And then also Bruce. I mean, Bruce all the way through is just brilliant. Just all the way, he just he's just shouting all the way through. Oh, second ball, second ball. But then there's one point where Emil Kraft gets the ball and he just he, he just launches the ball to absolutely no one, and he just goes. F and hell, Emil. Just give it a clocky next time for F's sake. <laughs> you know, can I have a little whinge at this point, Chris? I really hate it when people say effing and what they want to say is fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, enough. yeah. Don't shorten swear words. But, Chris. Just but another, another, another thing from last night, and Chris has um, has done a very good piece uh, on on this sort of after the match, which I would encourage people to read on the Athletic, and he wrote Absolutely. about Sean. Longstaff. Now, the Ooh. reason, I mean, I just thought it was a very well-timed piece, and I would say that because it was my idea, but um, that, that was a joke. You can laugh at that point if you want. No, that's no, all right. Okay. You carry on. Um, okay, no, that's fine. Um, but, you know, here we were Here we were last summer. Here's this kid who's linked, you know, probably a bit fancifully to Man United for 50 million quid, had a very difficult second season, out of the team, injured a lot. Clearly, he'd had his head turned. I think Steve Bruce uh, admitted that, and it feels like a big season for him now. Um, he's got two years left on his contract. I think I'm right in saying, Chris. And um, yeah, just under two years. Yeah, yeah, just under two years. And you know, you want to see the form that he showed when it was him and Hayden in the team, and they look really good together. They look really good, and keeping out experienced people like Shelby and Diarmi, and it's. It's not happened for him. It's not happened for him. And there's, you know, I think we thought all thought how how languid he looked when he came to the team, and he could strike a ball, and he there was the, those sort of echoes of Carrick. And at the moment, he, he's still sort of getting. It feels like he's getting caught caught on the ball. Something it's like he's, not right, he wants, isn't it? There's something kind of not right. And so I thought it was a really good. It was a really good piece that Chris did, looking looking at kind of long stuff, looking at some of the stuff that's been happening happening behind the scenes with him and. Um, you know, at the moment, you would say, what would you say, Chris? He's, what, probably fourth choice for that, for a midfield position? Could number 10 be an be a alternative for him? You you looked at all those details, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, you'd say probably fourth choice at best if it's going to be a midfield two in particular. I mean, it was a midfield two last night and, and, their, and their struggle, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, Blackburn had three in there, but even when second half, Bruce moved Almir on deeper, so they had three in midfield. Newcastle just couldn't get the ball and Barlassa struggled as did uh, Sean Longstaff, who just he kept giving the ball away, just looked a little bit off the pace. And, and I mean, to be fair in him, he hasn't played much over the last few months. He missed towards the end of last season because he, he, he got a hamstring injury just after we'd seen probably his best performance over the last year or so, which was half an hour against Bournemouth when he played as a number 10. And so, yeah, I've looked at, I've spoken to people in and around him, I've, I've looked at the situation at the club, and, and I asked Bruce about it after the game, and basically he says that, that yeah, it is it is an important season for for Sean Longstaff, and he basically admitted, look, since I've been at the club, we haven't seen the Sean Longstaff of before, and he hasn't, he didn't even get close to reaching those heights last season. Now he had the after effect of the knee injury; it was a serious knee injury, and I do think that was that was affecting him subconsciously. The Man United move, as George said, definitely did affect him. His his head was turned. There was a lot of speculation behind the scenes. I think he had issues in terms of representation and things like that. But now. He's come back, he's put on a little bit of muscle, he's physically stronger and he recognises how important a season it is. He probably isn't going to play a lot of football in midfield, although 
given the volume of games, he might get some game time there. And Bruce admitted last night, as as I'd already been told, that basically he's likely to play a fair amount of football in a slightly more advanced role. He's not even going to be guaranteed that because of the likes of Miguel Almiron, Sam Maxima and Joe Linton even will probably play in that three behind the striker. But I do think that that liberates him a little bit more, certainly in the short to medium term. I just think that if we're going to see the best of Sean Longstaff, he looks less under pressure in that role and I do think he can lead yeah. the press as in the against the opposition from a higher role so I do think in the short term that's probably where we're going to see him play his best football I have to agree I think he's he, he's looked a little bit um like a rabbit in the headlights at times hasn't he over the last few well n- not just now since the restart but since uh, the restart after the the lockdown uh, there was a number of times when he was caught in possession and given the ball away and it's 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 a shame to say it because you know we like George said we all had such high hopes for him after that first sort of breakthrough season where he's immense um but I agree Chris I definitely think he needs to play further up the pitch where if he does give the ball away it's not going to cause so much damage you know he's his position is something that needs to be worked out by Steve Bruce. And and yes, you're right, he's not going to get as much game time as uh, as what he'd probably like. But I think it's kind of one of those things where he's just going to have to suck it up and, and, and play when he can and do the best he can and hopefully try and try and regain some of that form. One thing that we should mention at this point, if we're talking about the midfield, of course, is Isaac Hayden, who continues to impress really, Lovely really Isaac good. Hayden. You know, so good at West Ham. Is that restraining order still in place? Yes, or? it is. It is, yes. Um, um, and, I mean, talking about restraining order, it was like there was a restraining order around Declan Wright. No, hang on, I need to think of that punchline. What is that? What yes, would be the punchline for that? Come on. No, I can't, well, it. It must I can't be, think of it. No. No. But anyway... He, you know, we heard a lot. It's like a reverse De- restraining De- De- order. De- Declan Rice, the nation's darling, kind of thing. Well, Hayden was Hayden was so good um, at West Ham, and it continues his continues his progress. And of course, towards the end of last week, he did finally sign that extended contract, which is just really good news. It's great news. He's, I mean, him and Mankio. You know such such improvement they've shown in the last in the last season, and just very very pleasing. And so, if we talk about kind of Sean Longstaff not being great news for the club, the really good news is that they're not they don't have to rely on him. They they do have others, um, they do have others in the team. And so there is strength and depth in certain positions in the team. Striker still isn't one of them. Um, I wonder as we're talking about Steve Bruce, one thing that I did want to kind of bring up is that I had an interview with him last week. And what I was trying to do, I, w- I wanted to do something different and try and get it away from TakeOver and, you know, Mike Ashley and all that sort of stuff and talk to him about the sort of influences over his life and career. And in the But in the end, it turned out to be a long interview and it was kind of about everything. It was about life, mm. the universe and everything. But we did talk about aspirations and we did talk about style of play. And it's all very general, but... I asked him at one point about, you know, Newcastle feeling like a big club and wanting to be a big club. And that's how I think Mm. of it. And that's how he thinks of it. So how do we turn Newcastle into a big club? And this is what he said. I've left Man U and I remember Newcastle beating uh, beating Man U 5-0, was it 5-1? 5-0, yeah, 5-0. I could could reel off Newcastle's team right now right in front of you George to say yeah. Beresford was left back Albert <laughs> uh, Peacock uh, Watson was a right back uh, he had a midfield four of Rob Lee David Batty Peter Beardsley David Ginola and Ferdinand and Chira up front yeah yeah wow yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, will we ever get to that again? <laughs> it's going to be difficult, but that's what that's what people have seen. Yeah. Not so long ago. Not so long ago, they've seen great players play for this for this great club, and that's where we've got to try and aim for. It's very very difficult these days when you see the spending powers of both Manchester clubs and Liverpool and you know but you know look at Liverpool it's took them 30 years to win a league yeah yeah so so as I said to you that team I've just reeled off Cernicek was the goalkeeper as well by yeah, the way yeah. you know it, it was it is it was a fantastic football team wasn't it Great players, great player. I mean, Ferdinand and Shearer were badly behind them. Oh, it's, extra- it's extraordinary! They scored. They scored forty nine goals. They scored between them that season. And I remember, I've done, I've done something with Les. I've done something with Alan actually about sort of that period. But they, Les just said that they would stand in the cir- centre circle and say. Shall we? Shall we go and beat them up? And it was like, yeah, let's do that. And it's like, I just love, yeah, you know, I get. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so, hey, so that's what we've got to try and aspire to. And that, and that is not so long ago. That is, well, hey, by the way, I suppose it is. What it is? Yeah, it is. Yeah, sadly. Twenty-five. Where's it gone? 20, Where's it gone? Yeah, twenty-five year ago. So, but people still live with that, and um, and the younger generation who support Newcastle. You know, haven't seen them great players. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get a team together which, you know, over over time, can get into the top ten regularly. And then who knows after that? Look, Wolves have done it very, very quickly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know they've done it. They've done it. And look where they've been for years. Yeah. So I know it may be people that have rubbish, but that's that's got to be the aim if 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 possible. It's just absolutely seamless the way I did that, wasn't it? Beautiful. That were you in the bath this time when you spoke to him, George? Or were you um, on dry land? No, no. I was on. I was yeah, purely, purely dry land. I thought <laughs> I'd try and do it a bit more professionally this time. Yes, probably a good idea. I'd have been like a, a prune idea. if I'd stayed in the bath for an hour whilst talking to him. But I mean, there is that sense. I mean, I love the fact he was able to name to name that that team from nineteen ninety six. Couldn't, I mean, he didn't get the score, score right, but yeah. no, no, he got the team. Um, <laughs> he got the team spot on, and I don't think anybody. I don't think any of us hold out sort of any realistic hope of that being you know anything that's on the agenda anytime soon if if mm. at all but it's nice to hear him talk about that and it's nice to hear him talk about the top 10 and it's nice to hear him talk you know and step by step the problem of course that we've always had is that this isn't a normal football club that behaves in a normal way we they they've it feels like it's not over yet so we can't kind of count our chickens it feels like they've had a really good couple of weeks in terms of being sensible, making these sensible transfers, getting these contracts agreed. Carl Darlow's the other one, of course. Um, and starting 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 the season with a win where you can see a semblance of something. Um, it's it's definitely not the finished art- article because we have to remember that they've only had two or three days training together by that point. Yeah. And so we shouldn't be expecting miracles, but at least there was something, at least was a bit of encouragement it didn't necessarily feel like um, this season is going to be a grind again. That there's something to build on, and you know there is still a chance that they can get bring in another couple, certainly a couple of mm-hmm. loans. I would expect, and you know maybe just maybe we could talk about the football in a in a bit more of a positive sense, and 
start thinking about climbing up the table. As I say, I don't think any any of us are sort of expecting miracles at this point, but it would just be nice to have that thought. It would be nice to think that the club might behave sensibly for two months in succession or three months in succession yes. because that's how you make a sensible Lemonel, club. That, that, is, that is dreamland. Oh, no, no. I know. It's madness, George. Dream, it's madness. I, I apologise. <laughs> If you uh, if you want to read George's uh, piece on Steve Bruce or Chris's fantastic piece on Sean Longstaff, uh, please check out theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. And at the moment, we have a fantastic special offer where you can uh, pay £1 a month. That's, yes, just £1 a month for all this wonderful content. It's, fin- it's financial suicide not to take up that offer, in my opinion, in <laughs> yes. my very strong opinion. <laughs> You Please don't need to ask subscribe. if you can afford this. You need to ask if you can't afford to miss it. That doesn't make sense. Exactly. If we you can a, afford to miss it, yeah. We had a very yeah. nice moment last week. We, uh, we, we went past the 1 million subscriber mark, which is oh, a big brilliant. deal. Um, you know, We've also introduced our new news section on the site. Sorry, this is now becoming a bit of an advert. But, uh, but hey, but hey this, this, this podcast is free. Um, hey guys, and yeah. we've, we've, st- we've started our new news service which kind of can hopefully will attract some people in to have a look at what kind of stuff we do. Very exciting. We're all very excited about it. And yeah, there was a load of Newcastle stuff on the site last last week. If you've not given us a go so far, a pound a month is a really good deal. So we'd love you to join I mean, us. You can't get anything for a pound a month, can you? You can't. You can't. Um, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, that's, a very, that's a very open question. That's a, <laughs> think something then. <laughs> I mean, Something I don't know everything having. in the world. <laughs> Chris, could I pay you a pound a month to come and stand in my backyard and stare through the window menacingly at me while I'm doing the dishes? I mean, I'd do, I do that anyway, so... It would be a waste of a pound, wouldn't it? This podcast is brought to you by Hims. If you haven't heard of them, they're basically your best mate when it comes to those tricky men's health problems. Balding is an awkward topic for men. Not for me, though. I've got a lustrous head of hair. Uh, yeah, a lot of us start to lose our hair before we hit 40. Uh, and the best way we can take control of our hair loss is to do something about it while we still have some. Hims was created to make it easier for guys to seek care, especially guys who avoid seeing their doctor in person for awkward health conversations. Have we, have we had any awkward health conversations recently, George? Uh, many, well, yeah, I do. I am slightly. I'm slightly. This is interesting because the last time I took part in one of these, it was all about shaving your bollocks, and I'm just now thinking, could you not like take the hair that you've shaved off your bollocks and stick it onto your head? Oh, a nice tight close perm. No, it wasn't. I'm not sure if that's what the hymns are suggesting, but um, anyway, no, it's, just a little, it's just a thought. Oh, dear me. Not everyone wants to have personal conversations face-to-face with a stranger in a white coat, so Hims connects you to real doctors online, which can save you hours. Uh, it's a completely confidential and discreet service. You'll get a proper consultation, and they'll give you sound advice on what you can do to help your hair before it's too late. Uh, it couldn't be easier to book your free consultation. Just go to forhims.co.uk forward slash athletic. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot co.uk forward slash athletic. Alternatively, get the clippers out and the pred stick and have a go at it yourself. I want to talk a little bit about, we've got some outgoings and some other things happening at the minute. Oh, actually, we didn't mention Carl Darlow signing a new contract as well. I did mention we him, skipped, you just didn't did mention that. What? Yeah, I did. I did, I mentioned oh, him in That was in dream world. I was thinking about James Perch. Sorry. You weren't listening to me, um, were you? Of course but I was. Outgoings, yes. Outgoings. Outgoings are a possibility. Um, what's the story? Oh, Yoshinori Muto has Yeah, they're a necessity joined, as well. Yeah. Is it Ibar? 
Ibar, yes. Florian Lejeune has gone to Alaves. And Florian Lejeune has gone to Alaves. Interesting one, that Florian Lejeune leaving, wasn't it? Because we're struggling a little bit with... Uh, with cover at centre back at the minute, and he's he he's departed. Wonder what's going on there. Yes, well, I did post on because uh, on, also on the athletic now we have a, it's almost like an internal sort of social media feed. I suppose you d- you describe it as it's called real time. It's sort of like you can just this like four hundred character snippets you can put on there, and then you can react to it. And I basically said about Florian Lejeune that I I am a little bit upset about Lejeune going, but I entirely understand also why he has. I do think that when he was on top form, when he was fully fit, he was probably Newcastle's best all-around defender. Um, His his ability on the ball and to defend. He's never had that much pace. That'll probably be the one thing that's let him down. But since his two knee injuries, he just hasn't been able to rediscover form. He hasn't been able to get a regular run in the side. And Bruce, I don't think, was able to guarantee him he could and felt that he needs to, if he is ever going to rediscover his best form, he needs to go somewhere where he is going to play regularly. And so they've sent him out on loan for the year. Bruce said it isn't necessarily the case that that's his Newcastle career over. But yeah, Newcastle are in, are still in the market for a centre back, they would like to bring one in on loan. Now, obviously, wanted Rob Holding from Arsenal, but Arsenal yeah. have, and Mikel Arteta have changed their mind on that. So, yes, he's gone out there for the season to try and get some minutes. And Kieran Clark, it was important that he played last night against Blackburn because mm. Fabian Cher is still out for a few weeks. Paul Dummett still isn't 100% fit. So, yeah, they are a bit short at centre back at the moment. And, and yeah. they already, you know, they already had six centre halves. You can't bring in a seventh and expect everyone to kind of hang around and be, and be happy. So, I mean, I think that's fair enough. I agree with Chris. I'm, I'm kind of sad about Lejeune. and we've never really seen him, seen him properly in full, full flow. But there was always the sign that he was, he was a really sort of quality player. We will always have Goodison Park, however. That was one of the, uh, oh, that was def- that was definitely one of the highlights for our season. Place in my heart. Incredible. <laughs> um, but you have to do this. I mean, you know, if you if you go through the squad, you know, people like Saive and 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 the rest. There's just there's too many, and managers are sort of always paranoid about this. That yeah. you can have a kind of rump of disaffected players hanging around, and they can infect the squad. It's not necessarily having a go at them as individuals, but of course, you know, people who don't have a squad number. Um, not you know, not looking likely to be anywhere near the first team. They're not going to be happy, and and you want it to be a, you know, you want it to be a squad that can have options in it all around, but not not so that the options mean that people are just never going to figure. And it does create it can create unrest and unhappiness. And there's just dead wood there. They need to get rid. So they do need to do a bit of a judicious pruning. There's two sides to this as well, though, isn't there? Because there's there's players that we need to move on, but there also has to be a club that want to take them. Because at the minute yeah. we've got we've got people like Saive, and they've they've I've heard that they've put Christy Natsu on the transfer list. I don't know if that's completely one hundred percent accurate or not. No, he has been made. Of, yeah, he is available. He is available, right? Okay, so then you have to have a club to come in, and they've got to cover the wages and all of that sort of stuff. And obviously, Muto's gone out on loan. Um, Lejeune, the Lejeune one, uh, I'm interested in that one. Do you know if that would be the player's choice to do that, or would that be the club? I think it's a combination of the two. Combination I mean, of the two. Yeah, yeah that the basically, Seabruce had said to him, "Look, I can't guarantee you're going to play regularly, and and basically, if you want to get to reach your your full fitness again, then you're going to have to go out and play regularly." So I think he realised that if he did want, if he does want to, to a rekindle his career in general, but b have another chance at Newcastle United, he probably needs to go out before he's going to get that opportunity on a consistent basis. Yoshinori Muto is a bit different. I mean, yeah. it just ha- that's just just hasn't worked out from the start. Nine and a half million, he's on fifty odd thousand pound a week, and he's just barely featured. I mean, I was actually 
someone reminded me earlier, another journalist, about the first season he was at Newcastle. Actually, he continued the start of last season. Well, there was tons of Japanese journalists. There'd be about five or six at every single game coming to, to, in right. the hope that he was going to play. And he used to do about 15, and no, no word of a lie, even when he wasn't in the squad, he would do 15 to 20 minute press conferences, just him with these wow. five or six Japanese journalists after the game. And I admired those journalists because what the hell could you be asking him after the third or fourth <laughs> one of those? He hasn't played. He's still yeah. not been, And he just... and mm. and. and and there was, I think it was last season that one of the journalists continued to come. And, and the first game he missed last season, the home game, was the Leicester home game, which was the first time Yoshinori would have started in St. James's. But, um, typical, but yeah, that, that one just hasn't worked out. I know there's a lot of fans who are saying, oh, you should, you should have been kept on. He's better than Joe Linton or whatever. But even last season when Joe Linton was playing every week and, and, and they didn't have Wilson, they didn't have Fraser... He was Yoshinori Muto wasn't getting a look in, so clearly Benitez signed. Well, he was signed during Benitez's time. Benitez didn't yeah. play him very frequently. Steve Bruce played him even less. Clearly, he does not feature given the new signings, and so yeah. the fact they've managed to to offload him, albeit only on loan, given the size of his wages and the like, um, at least he now is somewhere else for the season. Be interesting to know the contribution Newcastle make towards that wage as well, and and how much of that wage has actually gone off the bill. Uh, and and the same with the Lejeune one as well because apparently they're both on they're both on decent wedge. Well, that's the thing. Third. I mean, the, you know, the other thing when if we're talking about people like Save and uh, sort of Atsu and Rolando Arons, of course, and then Jacob Murphy. I mean, the clubs kind of I think they think they're very clever sometimes when they give people these long contracts. Um, but you know, the 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 very point you make that it becomes difficult to get rid if they if they're on these long contracts. Um, it can be difficult for them to, you know, to, difficult to move them elsewhere, because other teams lower down the chain won't necessarily want to pay the wages, and and it it can create it can create problems. I mean, I, I do sort of have some sympathy for football clubs in the sense that if you give, you know, players short contracts, then you need to sort of st- immediately start thinking about renewing them. But for all the players where it does work and they increase in value, you do get you seem to get a lot like. Um, those handful that I've just mentioned that have just incredibly difficult to shift. We've had a number of those over the years, though, haven't we, as well? Jack Kolbach and uh, Harris Vukic, Curtis Good. You know, there's a lot of these players who sign decent-sized decent, decent sized deals and then further down the line they're not figuring or if they fall out of favour with the manager and they can't get back in the team and nobody will take them on loan because their wages are so massive uh, and, and you can you kind of get stuck. And then you have the problem with having a figure around the dressing room or around the club who's who's pissed off, who doesn't want to be there, who who wants to play football but doesn't have the option to. And it can be it can be a dangerous thing, that, can't it? Yeah, it can be. And, and just also, just the... It, it just... For their own career as well. I mean, just just I look at someone like Henry Savi, and I just think, well, yes, I know he's get I know he's getting well remunerated and and the like. But you just think, you've you've wasted the last two three years of, of your career. You 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 want to go out and and play somewhere else. And you, I just I, that's the one I sort of I sort of don't understand. And look, I don't know the exact ins and outs. Maybe there's reasons why he hasn't. But just Steve Bruce has said I've I've had various conversations with him. I've told him to go and. Uh, find another club and for whatever yeah. reason that, that hasn't been agreed and I just think I just he's, think that that one that has to happen he's absolutely perfect for a move to a Turkish club with an unpronounceable name isn't he that lad that, that's <laughs> that's what I'm waiting for that's got to happen hasn't he's it? already had a couple hasn't he I think did he go to did he go to Bursus but did he go he definitely went to, to on loan to I'm just going to look Let back some, someone will take a punt on him somewhere down the line uh, he went to Sivaspor and then Bursaspor so he has they're not real things to. you've made them up <laughs> they don't exist Chris you can't pull the wool over my eyes I think I had a burst, the burst of four on the bottom of my foot once when I'd run too much. <laughs>
takeover stuff. So it's been an interesting um, an interesting week for that, hasn't it? Let's be honest. Tanks on the lawn are the, is the phrase that I uh, read on Twitter a number of times. Um, what exactly has happened here, Chris? Come on, give me the give me the the highlight reel. Uh, well, Newcastle United decided to sort of having had a great week, decided to release a statement. Uh, yes, the same the same three. Yeah, they just decided you know that that takeover that everyone's forgotten about at least for a little bit. No, we are going to call out the Premier League. Uh, and so they, they released a statement last Wednesday, which basically said, uh, had a go at the Premier League for, and they used the term rejecting the takeover, to which the day after the Premier League responded by denying that they rejected the takeover and said that that wasn't the case and that we were still where we were after they'd met the NUST uh, last month. And then subsequently, it has turned out that uh, Newcastle United and Mike Ashley have uh brought two QCs on board to basically start uh, looking into to, to how they can try and break this impasse and move forward in the, on this whole situation. The reason this all happened last week was that they did think, the club thought and the buyers thought that they were close to, to, to doing something again. I referred to it as TakeOver 2.0 uh, on The Athletic. And what had happened after it had all collapsed was that we know that Amanda Staveley called for people to respond, and I know Taylor, you were kind of, you were sort of feeling a bit sort of distressed about that, as it, you know, as if you know, what was the point of that? Well, the point of that was getting the politicians involved all the way up to Downing Street, and there was a um, there was a very senior figure in Whitehall, a Tory peer who was shuttling between the Premier League and Saudi and the buyers and all the rest of it, trying to find a way forward in terms of. Uh, piracy and uh, and all the rest of it, and obviously about the separation, the separation between the public investment fund and Saudi Arabian state and all that kind of stuff. And so they got to a point where they thought they'd they'd more or less done it. I mean, I, when when I say that, that's a very general thing to say. I mean, I think I think they were close to working stuff out in terms of piracy, or they were certainly working and stuff like that. But really, effectively, what they have done is represent this. Uh, uh, represent the same arguments to the Premier League and sort of say, look, we've got assurances about the separation between Saudi and PIF, which is the reason it fell through in the first place. And we now have lots and lots of legal uh, opinion that says this, that that emphasises this. And the Premier League have effectively said, I'm sorry, but uh, you've not changed your opinion. You, you know, you've not moved at all here. And our legal people are saying the same as they said back then. Yeah. So I think that Ashley's response was one of anger and effectively it was a rejection. I mean, it's not a formal rejection, but it means the yeah. same thing that it won't get past this point. And um, so that was kind of all going on in the background. And they it had got to the stage where uh, the buyers were, were consulting with the club on a daily basis, including about players and things like that. I mean, they were having all those dialogue, that, all that dialogue. I think, now it does go back onto the back burner again. Uh, some people might be very uh, happy about that. But I think what this legal case is about trying to do, now you'll see and read loads of different people saying lots of different things. It's about compensation. Ashley thinks it's dead, whatever. I'm I'm told that what this is about is trying to force uh, an actual decision from the Premier League. Because mm -hmm. if they have a rejection, if they have a formal rejection, then they can appeal it. And they can yeah. do something about it, and there would be a certain amount of confidence that they might win a, win an appeal. Now, whether that confidence is misplaced or not, I don't know. So that's what's mm. been going on behind the scenes. 
The lawyers are now involved. That's very interesting. I should imagine it will go quiet again for a while, and the rest of us can um, can get on and live our lives. We might we might um, we might get through one or two pods without mentioning it. You never know. Well, fingers crossed, and hopefully it's just the football that we're talking about over the next couple of weeks, and uh, and that is of high quality as well. Okay, thanks very much for listening. Um, that's pod on the time for this week. Hopefully we'll speak to you soon. Remember that £1 a month offer if you go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and read up on all of the lovely goings on uh, at Newcastle and beyond and all the stuff that you can find on The Athletic there. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Take care of yourselves. Thanks, George and Chris, for your time, and we shall speak to you soon. Take care.